Um, one of the things you may not realize is that a lot of the reason the vineyard is the way the vineyard is is because they've had a profound influence on the foundation. And so it's a really big deal that they're here with us, and uh, we're happy. Awesome. John Mark, do all that's in your heart. <laughs> I, I'll try. Man, how are you guys doing? Hey, it's Mother's Day. Come on, it's Mother's Day. None of you would be here without a mother. <laughs> Mothers are great. Uh, one of my favorite um, proverbs says that a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. And that word praise doesn't mean like a pat on the back. The word praise is, uh, comes from the word halal. Where we get the word hallelujah means to become clamorously foolish. A woman who fears the Lord will be celebrated. I'm down with that. I'm okay with that. You guys all right with that? Um, <clears throat> I want to read. I want to start here in Psalm 1. Is that cool? Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. I love Kentucky. I love Kentucky. Um, I travel a lot in my job. Um, I sing and have a band. We lead worship and we play shows and we travel. I've driven to California a few times in a van. And we've come through, we come through Kentucky as often as we can. Um, anytime I'm headed to Chicago or Cincinnati or just directly to Campbellsville. But we always try and stop and see our friends here because we love Kentucky. The guys in the band love Kentucky because they get to shoot guns. They get to eat good food. My band guys love it when we're going to Kentucky because they know they're going to have fun. And they love the guys here in Kentucky. And um, we, have, we have always kind of joked that we have one member of the team who doesn't like Kentucky very much. Her name is Gloria. And she's uh, our GPS unit. But we have a name for Gloria because Gloria talks to us. Gloria speaks to us. And generally, Gloria gets us from one place to another. But Gloria, over the, over the years, on her way to or through Camelsville, has taken us. Um, uh, once we uh, ended up circling a mental institution. <laughs> Took us right into the mental institution. Um, and uh, the... You know, we we're headed to a church, and we thought it looked like a church, and the GPS was taking us right through, and uh, the guard wasn't paying attention, and we were kind of hurry. And, you know, I didn't think it was like a church. Why do you have to check in with the guard? And so we just kind of rolled on through. You know what I mean? We rolled on through, and we were driving around, and these very interesting people were out, um, at ta you know, eating at tables and stuff. I thought, this is a really interesting place. So I'm... We got to a dead end where the GPS told us we were supposed to be able to go through and go on to where we were going, and there was no going through. What was on the map was not real life. And so we turned around and left, and we 
re-navigated. We made some phone calls. We ended up where we were supposed to go. When we got there, we told them what it was, and they're like, like, that's a mental institution, I think. That's interesting. Um, another time, another time we, uh, we, were headed, uh, we were headed somewhere in Kentucky, and uh, the GPS decided to take us through a national park. And so what should have taken an hour and a half took us about four hours in a van and trailer doing the hairpin turns. Probably would have been beautiful during the day, but it was at night, so all we see is and the guys in the back are trying not to throw up. Four hours. GPS. The best one, though, was last time we came. We're headed to Adam's house. And we're driving, and we we get off the... Um, we get off the, the, the main road, and we're on a small paved road, and the small paved road turns into a gravel road, and the gravel road turns into a dirt road, and the dirt road, I'm not making this up. It sounds like a commercial, but this actually happened. I have six other guys who can tell you we ended up circling a cow pasture in the van and trailer. <laughs> the, the dirt road ran out, and it was just grass. And we're driving, and I'm, I'm like, I don't see a road anymore, guys. I was actually the one driving. And the other guys are kind of waking up and looking out the window. And we see cows, you know, and grass. And uh, so I call Adam. I'm like, the GPS says this is the way to your house. And Adam's like, okay, tell me where you are. And I started to explain where we are. And he's like, get out of there. (laughs) He's like, you may not be in a very friendly zone. (laughs) He's like, I don't, I'm, I can't, he's like, I'll tell you where to go, but just get out of where you are. So Gloria, not a fan of Kentucky, unfortunately. But I, I think what I want to talk about a little bit is, is context. You know, I think when you're trying to get from one place to another, sometimes the most important bit of information is where you actually are. Do you know what I mean? And the things that we look to to give us context are ultimately the things that will determine our ultimate destination. If Gloria was our context, we were circling the cow pasture in unfriendly territory. We were going to get shot in the middle of the night if glory was our context. But when our context failed, I had to get on the phone and call a friend. I had to call someone who understood where we were and where we were trying to go. Look at Psalm 1. It's all about context. Who wants to be a tree planted by living waters? That word is actually channel, meaning it was like part of a river and it was dug specifically to your roots. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Look at the, the important words here that we pass over are words like this. He shall be like a tree planted by. Walk not in the counsel, nor stand in the path, nor sit in. All those are words about context. By. In. Because here's what the ungodly will do when it's raining. They'll say, get out in the rain and get as much of it as you can because when it's done, there will be no more. 
But if you're a tree planted by the water, you don't care if it rains and you don't care if it's dry because your roots are planted in water that doesn't stop. But if you derive context from someone who is not planted in the water, you are going to do things that are not going to benefit you long term. That's why we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'll, get, I'll, 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 I'll be a little specific. The ungodly will say this. You're in high school. You better sleep with that girl because it's the only chance you're going to get. I'll say, you better sleep with that guy because no one else is going to love you. No one else is going to treat you right. You better do it. You better spend that money. You better buy that thing. You better do it because you're not going to get another chance. You better do it while it's raining. You're never going to get a chance to be that guy unless you take this job. Better take this job. Tell that little lie. Tell it. Do it. Take the job. It's good for your family. You know what I'm saying? Counsel of the ungodly. That's what they'll tell you because they have poor context. But if you meditate in the law, if you delight yourself in the word of God, you'll be like a tree. You don't need that job. You don't need that guy. You don't need that girl. You don't need that validation because your roots sit in something that does not end, that will not let you down. Context is everything. What do you mean context is everything? In music and art, you understand context. Because a chord, a sound, is only a sound compared to another sound. You play one chord and change one note, it changes the entire feel. Because a note is only a note compared to the last note. Something that's bright is only bright next to something slightly darker. And if it gets darker, it's not as bright. You see what I'm saying? Context. But it's more than just appearances. It's more than an illusion. Oxygen, in one context, to hydrogen, becomes water. And oxygen in another context is air you breathe. If you breathe in oxygen in the wrong context, you will drown. And if you try and drink oxygen outside of the context of hydrogen, you will be thirsty. Everything in life is only what it is in context to something else. You have a relationship with your wife, you have a con- that context brings life. You take the same relationship in another situation, out of context, it's death. And there's a very dangerous, dangerous idea that we can exist on our own. That we can exist independent of other people or even independent of God and the Word of God. It's very dangerous. It says that a fool, Proverbs says a fool seeks isolation. Context. I don't know if you ever have a chance to um, check this out on the YouTubes. But they do these funny things. Uh, People have way too much time on their hands. Um, Remember that show, Different Strokes? The guys, you ever seen the opening? They, they They don't do opening 
um, things anymore because I think they want to make more room for commercials to sell you more stuff, you know, but they, uh, they don't do opening titles like they used to. They used to have the theme song and you'd see some sort of opening thing, you know, and different strokes. The guys are out playing basketball and the rich guy comes and picks them up in the, um, I guess he adopts them and he picks them up and they go back and they live in this, you know, penthouse in New York City and it's awesome, it's fun. You're like, oh, what a dream, this is amazing. Well, these guys take the same episode and they change the music to this creepy, dark music. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Arnold, don't get in the car. All of a sudden, what was light and exciting is dark. And the ideas that are planted in you simply because the change of tone behind the same thing you see every day changes the way you perceive what's going on. Because the music gives context. Tree planted by water. Jesus had some great stuff to say about water. I think about the woman at the well. You guys know the story? You can raise your hand if you want to raise your hand. Yeah, you know the story. Good. I mean, I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I guess that's why you didn't raise your hand. You understand what happens in church. You have context for what's going on. Um, so the guys are, they get Jesus and the disciples, they're passing through Samaria. Um, Jews and Samaritans are not friendly. They have issues with one another, deep, deep issues with one another. They don't like each other. They fight with one another. They don't appreciate one another. There's a lot of, um, racism involved. They, 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 they don't get along with one another. So they're passing through and the, and the guys go into town to find some food and Jesus sits down by the well there's a lady there coming to draw water and Jesus looks over at the lady and says hey give me a drink can you imagine going to Starbucks and someone who seems very very different from you maybe they're um, of, they dress differently or they're a different ethnicity or something where you guys don't have a lot in common imagine worse than that you know that these people don't like you and they know that you don't like them and there's animosity between your families and your cultures right and and the, and the lady you're not in, the, in that culture man and is not supposed to just a man and the lady who aren't married they're not even really supposed to talk to each other anyway in a public place like this and um so he's there and she's there let's say you're at starbucks this person walks in is way different from you not really looking at you, not interested in you, just doing their thing, trying to get their latte and roll. And Jesus looks over, you look over and say, hey, why don't you buy me a drink? And of course she looks at him and says, why would I give you a drink? You hate me and I hate you. Like it's weird enough that we don't know each other and you're asking me to do something for you. But I don't even like you. I'm not doing anything for you. <laughs> Try that. Next time you're at Starbucks, look over a stranger and say, like Jesus, buy me a latte. And see how it goes with you. See if it goes any different. She says, we don't have dealings with each other. And Jesus says, well, 
If you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you water that would satisfy you, and you would never be thirsty again. And she's very interested in that proposition, because getting water is a lot of work. I've been to Uganda, where some children can't go to school, because they have to walk an hour in the morning to get water, and walk an hour home. They try and eat a little bit of lunch and do some work around the house. In the afternoon, they have to walk another hour back to the water to pick up water and walk another hour back home. They, can't, they don't have time to go to school because they have to get water. This is, much, this is much like the way these people live back here. Getting water was a big deal. You can't cook without water. You can't wash. You can't clean without water. You can't drink without water. And so she's probably thinking, who knows how long she's walked to pick up the water. She's thinking, I am tired. Wouldn't it be awesome if I had a stream that went by my house? But she probably wasn't one of those people who could afford to live next to the river, next to the water. So she has to keep walking, going down to the well to get the water. Every day, maybe twice a day, maybe three times, who knows. But it was a lot of work, and it wasn't fun. And there's a lot of great things she could do if she didn't have to do that. So, of course, the guy's saying, hey, I'll give you water and you won't be thirsty again. She's thinking, awesome. Awesome. That's like winning the lottery. So she's, she says, uh, she's like, yeah, all right, I will take it. Give me that water. And he goes, go get your husband. That's a little strange. Go get your husband. She says, I don't, I don't have a husband. Just give me the water. He's like, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've been married five times. The guy you're with right now, number six, is not your husband. She says, you're a prophet. He says, yes, I am a prophet. But I'm not just a prophet. You married five men. And you're with man number six. Guess what? I am man number seven. You've been going down to that well over and over and over and over. And you always come up thirsty. But if you drink my water, if you know what it's like to be loved by me, you will not have to go back down to that well again. Do you know the well she was drinking from? She was drinking from Jacob's well. Know what Jacob's name means? Jacob's name in modern English means hustler. He worked it. Usurper. No one knows what that means. It means he did everything within his power to make his life better than it was because he was born at the bottom of the totem pole. And his brother was better than him. His dad didn't appreciate him. And so he had to fight and hustle his way. And he worked his whole life to, to receive that appreciation, that validation from his father. And in the end, he wanted it so bad, he lied and tricked and swindled and hustled the blessing out of his own father. And he ran away in shame. And while he was gone, his dad died. He meets this other guy 
who's kind of like a father figure to him. He marries his daughter. He wants to marry the younger daughter. This man tricks him into marrying the older daughter, and he works seven more years to marry the younger daughter. So he marries them both. And Jacob's more successful than this guy, so the guy gets jealous, and basically they have to decide time to leave. So Jacob takes everything he has and leaves, and he's going back home. And he doesn't know what's waiting for him there because his brother, who is kind of a big deal, wanted to kill him, and Esau was good at killing He wanted to kill him last time he was there. And so he's thinking, I'm going back. I don't know what's waiting for me. So he goes off in the dark. He goes off in the dark in the middle of the night. This man comes, and he and this man wrestle. And they wrestle. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is a picture of Jacob's whole life. Wrestling for the blessing of his father, for the validation, for some sort of context for who he is. Wrestling. And in that wrestling, the man strikes him and wounds him. just like he must have felt from his father. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Hangs on all night and in the morning, the man blesses him. He says, I'm changing your name from Jacob the hustler to Israel the prince. Princes don't hustle. They don't sweat if they don't have to. They don't worry about it. They leave their guitar in London because they don't want to pack it up. They hire a barista for the bus because they don't want to get off at a weird Starbucks. Because Jacob was born a hustler. And his context for his whole life was, you got to win approval. You got to win approval. You got to win approval. If your daddy will bless you, if your daddy will love you, if you're like Esau, but Esau didn't care about his blessing. He sold his blessing for a soup, for some McDonald's. But some of us are wrestling. Some of us are wrestling. We're struggling because we've been hustling our whole lives to gain approval from men and women, from our parents, from our children, from our spouse, from the people at the office, the people at school, brothers and sisters. We've been struggling. We've been wrestling. But I feel like if we hang on if we're willing to hang on to who God says he is. If we're willing to be wounded in a way that changes the way we live life, he's going to tell you who you are. You're not a hustler. You're not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. You're a prince. You're a princess. You are born into something greater than you could ever afford on your own. 
guys know the story of the prodigal son? Guy says, Dad, why do I have to wait till I'm old? He's like, I want the car now so I can go have fun in the car. When I'm your age, I'm not going to be able to have fun, I guess. You don't, know, you don't seem like you have any fun. I want the money now. Give me the money. And his dad is like, well, this isn't very wise, but I'll give you the money. So like a young man with too much money, he goes out and says he did all kinds of terrible stuff. Spent it on terrible. He didn't just spend it all. He spent it on terrible stuff. So that's why young men don't have the money, because they spend it. He's in another country, and only he's hungry. The only thing he can do is get a job taking care of some pigs as a slave. So he's taking care of pigs, and he's hungry, and he's so hungry he wants to start eating what the pigs are eating, and he starts to think, man, I need a better job. i got to get a better job. This is, it doesn't get much worse than this, so he starts thinking, who else could I serve? Who else could I be a slave for? Guy down the street, he seems like he's full, and he doesn't seem much better than this guy that I'm his pigs don't seem to be any easier to take care of than this guy's pigs. He starts to think, you know, my dad treats his slaves pretty good. My dad treats his slaves pretty good. He's like, I could go be a slave at his house. It's way better than this. He said, that's what I'll do. I'll go home. I'll be a slave at my dad's house because he treats the slaves good. So he starts heading home. Now, when you when you take this very tight knit community, tight knit community that pe- people lived in those days, and um, and a lot of families lived near each other, and everyone knew historically everyone. The idea was that everyone probably knew what this kid had done. He'd taken the um, inheritance, taken the honor of his family, and he had disgraced. He had disgraced his entire community by taking the money and squandering it. Right? And so what would happen is when someone disgraced your family and they came back, people would stand at the gate and they'd throw stuff at you. They'd throw bricks, stones pottery. They'd throw things at you and they'd say names to you and they'd tell you that um, you're dead. You're dead to us. When the father heard that the son was coming, he pulled up his clothes and he ran. He ran. He ran because he knew if he could get to his son in time, the people at the gates could not turn him away. And said, yeah, he was dead to us, but my son's alive now. So often we live our lives in the context of a slave. Well, if I do good, 
God will treat me all right. God treats his slaves good. But don't sin. He'll treat me good. And we'll live an all right life. So we'll go back to church. Start reading my Bible. Start praying a little bit. But the heart of the Father is not that you would be a slave in his kingdom, but that you would be a son and a daughter, a prince and a princess, born with a silver spoon in your mouth. And no matter what you've done, he says, kill the fat cow. We are having a party. And other people might look at you like, that guy is messed up. But Jesus is like, kill the fat cow. Let's have a party. the way he feels about you. He's not interested in servants and slaves. He wants children. Context. 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 How am I doing on time? Thirty seconds. Here's what Paul said about context. Check out Ephesians. Ephesians 3. This is what Paul dedicated his life to. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, context, rooted and grounded in love, that you having the context, the proper context, may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul gave his life so that we could understand, so that we could have a context for who we are. We could be rooted and grounded in love, so that we could know the love of God, which is too great for the natural mind to understand. In Romans, Paul says this, Yet in these things we are more than conquerors through him. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Jacob was like a conqueror. He'd win a battle. A Jacob, a hustler wins. Prince doesn't win anything. He has it, so. More than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in our Lord Jesus Christ. I was praying about 
this Sunday. I knew I was speaking. Adam asked me a few weeks ago, and I have this drive. I drive an hour to work and back. Um, I'm, I'm in the studio, and the studio's about an hour outside of town, so I, I'm drive there and back. So I have an hour there and back. Usually the hour back, I don't think good thoughts. It's usually more like fried, crazy thoughts, you know. Just ready to go home and eat some dinner. But in the morning, I pray. <laughs> in the morning, I pray um, before the discouragement has a chance to set in. And the, when the, the bill is not fresh. On, no, I'm just joking. But I was praying. I was asking the Lord about you guys and asking the Lord about this morning. And out of nowhere, I, I felt like I, I had this picture and um, it was about that passage in Romans. I was like, what does that mean? I said, Lord, give me context. We're ta- you want me to talk about context? Give me context. Give me some context. This scripture came up, and immediately I had this thought. I had this thought of me, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit walking the back 40 of heaven. Sun goes down, we're sitting around a campfire. talking. Someone tells a joke. Something's funny. Somebody does something crazy. Says something. So, you know, something happens and everybody laughs. We're sitting around. Jesus looks up. And says, remember? Remember that guy? Father says, yeah, he would have loved this. So I feel like what Paul is saying here is that you could you could stand up right now and run out of the church, disavow all your friends, curse the name of Jesus, live life the way you want to. Your deathbed, you could curse the name of Jesus. You could die and slip into darkness. But I don't think he would ever stop thinking about you. How's that for context? Lord Jesus, we want to be planted by a river of living. We want to treasure you. We want to delight in you. The treasures of our heart are the lens through which we see the world. They give us context to our lives. We want that to be you. We want to give voice to you and the greatness that you are. We want to delight in the love that you have for us. We want to know. We want to be able to comprehend the love that is too big for us to naturally understand. We want rivers of living water to flow through 
the innermost parts of who we are. And when it rains, no big deal. When it's dry, no big deal. We want to be validated. We want to exist in you and by you. We want to plant our seeds in the soil of your kingdom because the seeds that are planted in your soil grow into trees that do not die. The seeds we plant in our own soil are destined to fail. The kingdoms we build in our own domains will fail. But the things we give to you live on forever. So we want to give our hearts, our innermost parts of who we are, and we want to set them down inside of your border lines. Because the things of your kingdom do not die. The things of your kingdom thrive. In our world, we are hustlers and we are fools and we are destined to fail. In your country, we are princes and kings. Teach us how to live in your country. Jesus, our friend and brother, you are so good to us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your friendship. It is the source of life. It is the source of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.